0: Almost 10 years ago, right before my wife was getting ready to give birth to our oldest son, Micah, um, she and I were out in California. It was literally less than four weeks before our son would be born. He came a little bit early, so we didn't know that it was that soon. We probably wouldn't have traveled that far had we known that, but we were were in California and we were speaking out at this conference that's on a beautiful campus on the side of a mountain out in Malibu. And so if you ever get invited to speak at a conference in Malibu, just say yes. Like, I mean, so we went, it was gorgeous. This campus is up on the side of the mountain. And uh, if, if you could go there to visit sometime, uh, part of the thing that makes it unique is you cannot get anywhere on that campus without walking up like 10,000 steps. And so it's, it's on the side of the mountain. You know, most people when they go to college, they gain 15 pounds, the freshman 15. You go there, you lose 15 pounds just from walking up and down the stairs. and so. We're there, Uh, my wife is extremely pregnant, um, and she is walking up all of these stairs day after day after day. And so the the running joke became, no matter how hard we tried, she just couldn't catch her breath that week. I mean, just constantly out of breath. And so I have this this one, really, I promise you, it's just kind of this sweet memory. In fact, we were talking about it last week on the way home from vacation, where Sydney and I were walking up the side of this mountain on these stairs. We're going to dinner, Uh, it was... It was almost sunset. The sun was setting. It was beautiful. I'm um, looking at my wife. She's getting ready to have a baby. Just this kind of cool euphoric moment. But we're walking up the stairs. And I don't I don't know how to explain the way that she was breathing, other than it was just like this deep wheezing sound. It was like. <laughs> and she's just walking. And, you know, I don't know if you know much about women, but one of the things that I've learned is they do not love for you to laugh at them, especially when they're carrying your child. So just. <laughs> That's a freebie for you men out there. We're pretty dense, you know, but we're walking up the stairs and I mean, she is just wheezing like someone who has asthma and just finished running a marathon. And, and I just start laughing. And, and she's like, what are you laughing about? And I'm caught in this moment, like, do I tell the truth? You know, like, uh, <laughs> I wanna honor Jesus, but can I tell the truth? And, and so I decided to tell the truth and I'm like, babe, if you could just hear yourself breathing. Like, if you could hear it, like, you, you would know why I am laughing, and man, by the grace of God, like, her hormones were working out just fine in that moment, like, instead of us, you know, going straight to divorce court, she just started laughing, and I have this memory of the two of us standing on the side of that mountain on the stairs, just, just laughing so hard about her inability to breathe, and over the, over the course of the next few days, you know, Uh, Literally, that just became the joke, like, I just can't catch my breath, I just can't catch my breath. And I go, have you ever been there in one of those moments where you couldn't hide, you could not hide your inability to catch your breath? Like, you just couldn't hide it, like, the people around you just know it. I remember having a a similar moment for me, I wasn't pregnant, but you know, uh, a couple of years ago where uh, I was in a season, and I didn't even know this, I was in a season where I was so worn out, like burned out, stressed out, didn't even know it, just, just going so hard. It's like one of those seasons where I felt like at the end of the day, no matter what I did, my to-do list would only be longer at the end of the day. Raise your hand if you've ever felt that before. Like you go into the day, like no matter what I do, I'm gonna end the day behind and it. was just one of those seasons. And so I remember laying in bed one night, kind of in the midst of that, under this pressure, I felt pressure at work. I felt pressure as a leader. I felt pressure as a dad. I, felt, I just felt pressure... Everywhere, and honestly, I wasn't even aware of just how deep that pressure was. And I'm laying in bed, and Sydney and I are trying to fall asleep. I thought she's already asleep. I'm laying there in the dark. My mind is just racing. Have you ever had one of those moments where you just lay there, and you just can't get your mind to turn off? And I'm just there, just stuff is just running through my mind. And about five minutes into the silence, Sydney says, hey, what are you thinking about? And I thought she's asleep. I'm like, how'd you know I was thinking about something? And she said, if you could hear the way you're breathing, but this time it wasn't funny. I was like, oh. And she said, you breathe differently when you're stressed. She said, it sounds like you've just been running up a mountain. She said, you, you, you breathe differently. She said, I can tell you're stressed. I can tell something's going on. And I go, have you ever had one of those moments in life where you were so tired, it took the people around you to tell you you're tired? Somebody got it. Somebody's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you're just so worn out. You don't, you don't even know you're worn out. And you just keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going, and you keep going. And I go, here, here's what I know. We live in a culture where most of us work too hard and we sleep too little. I was talking to a guy the other day. It's just normal for him to work 70 hours a week. And he's like, he's like that's normal. And I go, man, do you realize that's not normal? That's a generation ago, that would've been called crazy. But it's just normal. We, we work too hard, we sleep too little. Most of you are dialed in and connected all of the time, which means you're never off, which means you never truly rest. One of my good friends who's a part of our church gave me permission to share this story. Well, he went on vacation a couple of weeks ago with his family. And I said, are you looking forward to vacation? He said, I'm only looking forward to it if my boss can leave me alone. He said, because here's the expectation. He says, no matter where we're at, we're expected to respond to email, late at night, early in the morning to respond to texts. He said, I'm going on vacation, and my boss came in and said, hey, our goal is to make sure you only have to jump on one or two conference calls while you're gone. That's vacation these days. You get it, that's your world, that's our world. Guys, we, we live in a culture that worships at the altar of hustle. We worship hustle. So what's it look like to be anchored and rooted in the rest of Jesus? There's some of you in here this morning, you know you're worn out and you just don't know what to do about it. And there are some of you in here this morning that you are so worn out, but you just don't even know it yet. And God's gonna raise up somebody in your life to say, hey, you're breathing funny. (laughs) Something's going on. And here's here's the beauty of the gospel is in the midst of a culture that says, go, 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 go. Jesus says, I'm here to offer rest. The last words of Buddha, who's supposed to be known as this peaceful guy, the last words of Buddha was strive without ceasing. The last words of Jesus before his resurrection were it is finished. The prince of peace is the king of peace, the giver of peace, and he wants to give you peace. And my question is, in the midst of the culture that we find ourselves in this morning, is is your soul at peace? Is your soul at peace? is your soul at peace. And that's what I want us to dig into. I love Matthew chapter 11. Look at Matthew chapter 11 with me. Starting in verse 28, Jesus, he speaks into this, just this sense of just go that we all live with. And I love what he says. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Say it with me. I will give you. Come on, help me. I will give you. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle gentle and humble in heart, and you will find what? You will find for your souls. He says, I want to to give you a rest that is so much more than just you crashing after a long day at work and binge watching Netflix and trying to recover for the morning. He He says, I want to give you rest. I want to give you rest in your souls. Verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary. (laughs) He says, come to me, all who are burned out, worn out, stressed out. Come to me, all of you who struggle to fall asleep at night. Come to me, all of you who can't seem to get your mind to turn off. Come to me, all of you that are striving without ceasing over and over and over and over. Jesus says, you come to me, you come to me, and he says, and I wanna give your soul rest. He says, I want to, to recharge you in ways that you can't imagine. And I want you to notice this, the invitation is open to everybody, but it's only received by those that have the ability to recognize their own exhaustion. He says, come to me all who are what? He says, weary and burdened. And I know some of you are here this morning, and you know you're weary and burdened. And some of you are here this morning, and you don't even have the ability to recognize your own exhaustion. You just keep going and going and going and going. I think about my kids, they're nine, seven, and almost five years old, and so they're just beyond that age where they take naps every day, even though they probably still need them. But for our kids, like the greatest punishment that they could ever suffer would be for us to make them take a nap. And which just is insanity to me. Like any of you parents, you know the way this goes. It's like, hey, go take a nap. And our kids come at us like we have dishonored them. You know, they're so upset. And so a few Saturdays ago, our boys are worn out and they need a nap. I know they need a nap. And I'm like, hey, boys, you've got to take a nap. And they just fall apart. They start crying. We're not tired. We don't need a nap. And I'm like, you're proving my point, you know. And and so they're just worn out, exhausted. And so I send them into the room. They all share a room. They have a triple bunk bed. So they're sitting in there. And I'm listening to see if it would get quiet. And it's not quiet. They're resisting the sleep. And so I go in, and my, my two youngest sons, had succumbed to sleep, they'd fall asleep, but my older son, he was leaned up in his bed against the wall, just kind of head hitting the wall like this, and he was literally doing this with his hands. He's going. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, bro, what are you doing? Like, and he said, dad, if my, if my eyelids touch, I'll fall asleep and I'm not gonna take a nap, I don't need one. <laughs> and I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, what's wrong with you? And, and eventually, his fingers got tired and his eyelids touched and he fell asleep, and, And guys, I look out in our church. I I have lunch with so many of you on a regular basis. I look out and I go, man, a lot of you are living life like this. You're whipped. You're exhausted. You're going way too hard. And we've just said, no, it's normal. It's not normal. (laughs) It's not normal. I remember years ago, speaking to some of our leaders uh, who were giving oversight to our church at that time before uh, we had our current elders. I remember speaking to that team of leaders and uh, month after month, I'd go in and I'd always do this heart check with them. I'd tell them how I was doing. And two months in a row, I went in and I said, hey guys, I'm sinfully busy. And I, I come into the meeting for the third month in a row and I said, guys, I'm sinfully busy. And one of the guys loved me enough. He said, he said Dave, as one of our servant leaders here, We owe it to you to not let you keep walking in sinful busyness. Either you repent or you quit leading. And I'm like, oh. And I know you all are all way more spiritual than me, so you've never been in one of those moments, but have you ever been there? Jesus, come to me. All who are weary and in burden and your soul, he says, I want to give your soul rest, and some of you know you need it, and some of you, Don't know you need it, but Jesus is saying, "Hey, you're on a trajectory of just wearing yourself out if you don't slow this thing down." And Jesus says, "I care about you." He says, "I want to give you rest." And here's what's so beautiful to me in Matthew chapter 11 is is there's kind of two things at work. There's there's relationship with Jesus, and then there's the rhythms He's going to lead us into as His followers. He says, "You come to Me." That's relational. He says, "You want rest for your soul." He says, "You come to Me." And he says, and then I'll teach you, learn from me. He says, I'll teach you how to do life the way that I do life. Those are rhythms. And as we talk about rest this morning, we could talk about both relationships and rhythms. And both would be really valuable. In fact, I think a lot of times we tend to to focus on rhythms. What are the things you need to do to slow down? In fact, we have a class here at Ethos where we teach people how to Sabbath. My wife teaches a class on how to get your calendar under control as a follower of Jesus because we believe the rhythms of your life matter as you seek to follow his ways. But here's what I believe, is that if you change your rhythms, but you never lean into the right relationship, you'll still never find rest. That you can change your calendar, but if you don't start coming to Jesus and allowing him to give you input, allowing him to give input into your life, you'll still be worn out, even if you learn to take a day off. And so this this morning, as we talk about rest, I just want to go, okay, here's the invitation from Jesus. If you're worn out and burdened, come to him, let him give you rest. If that's the invitation, how in the world do we actually step into it? Have you ever had one of those moments where somebody gave you a great invitation, but you didn't know how to actually receive it? I remember last year, somebody came to Sydney and I, and they said, hey, we would love to take you to Israel for two weeks. All expenses paid. We'll pay for your flights. We'll pay for your food. We'll pay for your hotel. I'm like, oh my goodness. It was the the offer of a lifetime, this incredible invitation. But we were looking at our calendar, and we couldn't figure out how to make that invitation fit. And so there was this moment where there was something really good put on the table, but we couldn't step into it and receive it. And I think sometimes we read Matthew chapter 11 and a lot of us go, man, this is a good thing. I hear, I hear you, Jesus. If I'm weary and burdened, I wanna come to you and I wanna get rest. But how do you receive it? How do you actually step into that relational reality? And this is where I wanna flip over to Jeremiah chapter six for just a few moments. Flip over Jeremiah chapter six with me. We use one of our Bibles. It's gonna be page 521, Jeremiah chapter six. I'll tell you just a quick backstory. You know, for Sydney and I, as we think about trying to walk in the rest of Jesus, we've built some rhythms in our life. That'll be another teaching for another day, but we have daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, seasonal rhythms, and yearly rhythms, where we try to just walk, keep our souls in good standing with, with, with Jesus. And I, I, that's another teaching for another day. But one of our seasonal rhythms is a couple of times a year, the two of us try to get away without kids and just seek God. We call it our spiritual retreat where we get away uh, for between one to three days, we just pray together. We ask God to input into our marriage, into our life, into ministry, all the stuff that we're doing. So a couple of months ago, we were away on one of these retreats together. We got away on one of these retreats and there were all of these big decisions that we had to make. And if I'm just being honest, internally, we were out of breath again. We just felt that kind of internal just vortex of decisions. What, do we go to the right or to the left? Do we do this or not do this? How do we get this stuff under control? And so she and I were just Praying and honestly, just internally speaking, there was just a lot of angst and anxiety that was welling up inside of us. So, we'd gone to this retreat and we were praying. And, and uh, one of the things that Sydney tends to do when we go into a retreat is she asks the Lord, Hey, Lord, would you give me a verse for the retreat? Would you speak to me about the season that we're in, what we're doing? And so, she'd asked God to give her this, this verse. And just out of nowhere, we, first day of our retreat, she felt like the Lord gave her the, the verse, Jeremiah 6, verse 16. So he just gives her this verse and she opens up her Bible and she goes on this, this walk, the Airbnb that we're staying in. Right beside it, there's this railroad track and they didn't advertise that on the Airbnb, I'll tell you that much. There's this <laughs> railroad track right beside the Airbnb that just kind of meandered through the woods and so she gets out her Bible, she opens up to Jeremiah 6, verse 16 and she starts walking by herself down this railroad track thinking about all of the stuff that we had to balance in our life during this season. And She opens it up and this is what it says. Look at Jeremiah 6, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. (laughs) Now, I know all of the Bible is the inspired word of God, but I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you ask God to give you a verse to speak into your situation, and you open it up, and it says, this is what the Lord says. It was one of those moments where the Lord just arrested her attention. (laughs) This is what the Lord says. We're trying to figure out, literally on our retreat, how to live into Matthew chapter 11, and this is the verse that he gives us. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Or some of your Bibles say, when you come to the crossroads, stop. So stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and then walk in it and you will find what? You will find rest, you will find rest for your what? Souls. Souls. So stand in the crossroads and look. Ask for the good way. Ask where the ancient path is. And then walk in it and you will find rest for your souls, but you said, we will not walk in it. Sydney's reading this verse as she's walking down this railroad track trying to discern some big decisions in the life of our family, and literally, she finds herself standing on the railroad track. She looks back, she can't see the road that she'd come from. She had walked long enough where she had come from was no longer visible. The railroad track kind of had this bend around the corner into the forest. She couldn't see where she was going. She was literally in the process of saying, God, would you help us know where to go next? And she looks down on the railroad track. I wish I had the picture. She took a picture on her phone. On the railroad track was a spray painted arrow on this metal grate, this arrow just pointing forward. (laughs) She went, Lord, here I am. I'm asking you, what what do I need? How do we do this? How do we balance all that you've called us to balance? And the Lord leads her to this verse, when you stand at the crossroads, stop and look ask where the good way is, ask where the ancient way is, and then walk in it, and your soul will find rest. And I go, how do we, how do we live into that invitation of Matthew chapter 11? Jesus says, if you're weary and burdened, come to me. I go, what, what's that actually look like relationally? Over the last couple of months, Jeremiah 6 has been that answer for us. I don't know if you remember when you were in elementary school and the volunteer firefighters would show up and they'd give you like a little course on fire safety. Raise your hand if you remember, the, you know, they'd show up and they'd, they would terrify you as a child. They're like, Hey, if this building burns down, line up in an orderly fashion and be quiet. I'm like, I'm like, if the building runs down, I'm kicking a window out, I'm running over any kid I can. That's what you think is a second grader, right? And then, and then there's that moment where the volunteer firefighter says, and if you were to burst into flames, which seems pretty serious, you know. I don't know how many elementary school kids are catching on fire these days, but they'd always, as a part of the seminar, if you catch on fire, I want you to stop dropping what? So you had the same seminar that I did, right? We're all there. Stop, drop, and roll. Like, if you're on fire, here's how you stop it, which I've never been on fire. That still doesn't seem like it's gonna work. (laughs) Stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. Stop, drop, and roll. And I was thinking of that when Sydney came back from her walk and she shared Jeremiah 6 because in some ways it felt like our calendar was on fire. The Lord's saying, hey, here's how you do this. When you're in the midst of the chaos, you stop you ask, and then you walk. You stop, you ask, and then you walk. You stop, you ask, and then you walk. That's what he says. Look at Jeremiah 6 with me, verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He says, stand at the crossroads and look. Some of your Bibles say when when you come to the crossroads, stop you know, what does it look like to, to begin to experience the, the deep rest of Jesus? It, it starts with this understanding that you have permission in the midst of our crazy world, you have permission to stop. Did you know that? <laughs> like, did you know that? Like, seriously, like, Jesus has given you permission to like, swim upstream, to go against the flow. Like, I know the world around us is fast paced and crazy, I know your boss demands that you check email at eleven o'clock at night and that you respond at the text within five seconds. Like I know, like, I know, but do you realize that you have the ability to stop? That, That Jesus has like purchased that right for you to to slow down. He says, when you when you come to the crossroads, when you come to the decision point, he says, I want you to stop, I want you to stand in that moment and before you move into it, to just just pause. When we were teaching our, each of our boys how to ride bikes, you know, one of the first things they wanted to do was to ride around the block without us. You know, that's what happens to a kid. You teach them something cool, and then they're ready to leave you. It's like, just ready to get out of there. And so we, we, we taught them how to ride their bikes, and they wanna ride around the neighborhood, and here's the condition for them riding around the neighborhood. They have to show us, they have to demonstrate that they have the ability to recognize when they're at a crossroads and when they need to stop. Because when they first get on those bikes, they just ride out of the driveway, they don't look for traffic, don't look left, don't look right, they just ride out. There's been many times when I've had to stop a truck because I couldn't stop my four-year-old. Like, you know, it's like, whoa. And the moment they prove that they have the ability to see where the road is changing and know when to stop, that's when we can trust them to go on the journey by themselves. See, a lot of us, we've, we've never trained ourselves to see when the road is changing. And every day, you're just at crossroads. Sometimes they're big crossroads, right? Like, should I take this job in Austin? Should I marry this guy? Should I do this thing? Should I say yes or no? Should, like, There's times when you know that you're at the crossroads, but have you recognized that it's not the big crossroads that tend to be the things that trip you up? It's just the daily small things. It's the daily moments. And here's what I'm convinced of, is a lot of you are internally exhausted, because you keep saying yes to things that Jesus never wanted you to say yes to. And because you said yes without ever stopping at the crossroads, you're now in a season of just total exhaustion asking Jesus to bail you out of something that your mouth has already committed you to. How do you find rest for your soul in the midst of this season? How do you come to Jesus? He says, when you come to the crossroads, when you come to that place, I want you to stop. A couple of weeks ago, there was an amazing group of folks They had invited our family to come serve in some ministry, do some things uh, this coming year, and it it seemed like a great opportunity. It was a big ask that was going to cost us a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of energy, and we needed to discern, hey, is this from God or not? Because what I found is a lot of times, we're not discerning between good things and bad things, we're discerning between good things and God things, that a lot of you on a daily basis, you're not, you're not deciding like, should I go around punching children or should I honor Jesus in my job? Like, you know, it's, it's not this like, a lot of times it's like, should I do this good thing or this good thing? And which one has the hand of God on it? And so they asked us, hey, would you come be a part of this? And, and our response is just kind of simple. Hey, can we take a couple of weeks? We need to stop. We need to ask the Lord's wisdom. We need to talk to our elders. We need to share it with our team. We need to pray about it. Can we stop? And they responded back. They said, they said, ah, you can't take a couple of weeks. You can take a day or two. And so our response was pretty simple then. It's like, okay, then it's a no. And I just realized how quick we are. We're so eager to say yes or no to something just because somebody's asked us. And the Lord has given you the right To stop with him and say, hey, I'm I'm at a fork in the road. Which direction do I go? Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened, come to me. Your soul will find rest. How do you come to him? It starts with you recognizing the crossroads and stopping. Second thing I see in this verse is it's not just stopping at the crossroads, but it's asking Jesus to give you input on which way you should go. I love this. He says, when you stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient path, ask where the good way is. He says, when you come to these moments of decision, whether big or small, when you're at the crossroads, he says, ask the Lord which direction you should go. A lot of you are in a mess just because you don't even ask the Lord. <laughs> so, hey, which, should I go to this college or not? Should I date this person or not? Should I make this investment or not? Which way should Lord, I'm here, I'm seeking your input. And here's what I'm convinced of is Jesus, because he knows you and he loves you, he wants to give you you input on far more things than you probably think he wants to give you input on. I remember several years ago, there was a family that had come to visit us, like super Christian family. I don't know if you've ever been around a Christian family. They're so Christian, you begin to doubt your salvation. I'm like... I don't even know if I'm saved. Like they left our house and I'm like, I don't even think I like Jesus. Like they were so Christian, so spiritual. And they're in our house and they're sitting having this conversation and they start telling us the story of on Sunday nights, they sit down and they put a blank piece of paper on their kitchen table and they ask the Lord to show them what groceries they should buy. And I'm like, whoa, like that's like next level. Like Christian, or weird, or both, I don't know, but it's, it's like something, and, I, and, and I'm trying to figure that out. You know, On the inside, it felt a little weird, but because I'm from the south, on the outside, I was like, oh, that's awesome, praise God, you know? And, <laughs> and uh, they, they, they left our house, they walked out, and immediately, I'm just being really honest with you, I, immediately, I'm just kind of judging them. I'm going, how stupid. Like, you think the Lord has a preference between Fruit Loops and Cocoa Puffs? We all know it's Fruit Loops, like, why? Well, <laughs> Why'd you even ask him? We know that. Like, you know. No, but I'm beginning to, I'm, honestly, I was just judging them internally. In the spirit of God, he just convicted me. He said, Dave, he says, why are you so convinced that you don't need my help in so many areas of your life? I don't know if the Holy Spirit wants to help you with your grocery list, but I know he wants to help you with far more areas than you're giving him input on. Part of the way that we, we find rest is not just stopping at the crossroads But it's actually saying, hey, Jesus, would you speak into this situation? Would you give me clarity? Do I go to the right or to the left? Do I move forward or do I stay back? Jesus, what would you have me do? Jesus says, if you're weary and burdened, come to me. Your soul will find rest. How do you do that? You stop. You ask. The third thing that I see in verse 16 is then you walk in obedience to whatever Jesus says. Look at verse 16 with me. He says, stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path." Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said we won't walk in it. Here's the thing that's so stunning to me is that merely hearing the voice of God is not the thing that will give your soul rest. If Jesus were up here preaching the sermon physically today, the words of Jesus aren't what bring you life and transformation. Your obedience to the words of Jesus are what bring you life and transformation. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is the one that's blessed. He says the one who is a fool is the one that hears what I've said and refuses to walk in obedience to it. And so it's not enough for us to, to stop at the crossroads and to ask for the input of Jesus. We stop at the crossroads, we ask for the input of Jesus and then we wait for him to answer and we walk in obedience to it. One of our sisters who's a college student here at Ethos, her name's Kelsey, just an amazing woman, Uh, She knew what I was preaching on this week, and so she sent me this quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer that just really resonated, and I'll just give you the cliff notes of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. It's, It's so profound. He said, Most of us settle for the lesser contentment of merely asking God what we should do. And then we go on to answer our own prayers. He said, If we would wait around for the deeper contentment, we'd experience the God who actually wants to answer the prayers we prayed. He said, most of us settle for the shallow contentment. Hey, I'm at a crossroads. I don't know what to do. Jesus, what should I do? I feel good about it. Hey, I prayed about it. Now I'm just rushing into it. Bonhoeffer says "That's that's the lesser contentment. The lesser contentment is to feel good that we ask God for his input. The deeper contentment is to wait around for him to tell you what to do and then for you to walk in obedience to it. Why do you find rest? It's not just because you stop. It's not just because you ask. It's because you wait for the voice of God. And when God speaks, you walk in obedience to whatever it is that he has said. I remember years ago, uh, Sydney and I were trying to discern something together and we have been praying and praying and praying. And after literally months of praying and fasting and seeking the heart of God together, we felt like God gave us clarity on what we should do But the clarity that he gave us was very terrifying. We were scared. Have you ever had one of those moments where you ask God to show you what way to go and he shows you and you're like, I don't like that way, Like, I don't wanna go that way. But he gave us clarity about what to do. But I was scared to do it. So for months I refused to walk in obedience. And uh, so one night I'm just anxious and I'm worn down and uh, I'm like, Sydney, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me about this situation? I'll never forget it, she looked at me, she said, I will not pray for you on that. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a wife encourage you like that, but. (laughs) She's like, like, I'm not gonna pray for it. She's like, I'm not praying for clarity. God's already given you clarity. She's like, if you want me to pray for courage, I'll pray for courage, so you'll do something about it. I'm not praying for clarity. I go, some of you don't need any more clarity. (laughs) You just need courage. And we're going to talk about that next week. Sometimes it seems like the voice of God goes quiet. Why? Because you still haven't responded to the last thing he said to you. Jesus says, if you're weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. How do you get there? Man, when you come to the cross, or you stop, you ask where the good way is, where the ancient way is. And then when God responds, You walk in obedience. And he says, and it is there that your soul will find rest. See, here's what I'm convinced of is that that God cares about all the details of your life. You know, a year and a half ago, I've told this story before, but I just, I felt burdened and worn down. I felt like I could never get my mind clear in some areas. And so I just started asking Jesus, hey, would you put your finger on anything in my life that is keeping me from peace? And he was, he was showing me a lot of different things in that season. But one of those things that he started speaking to me about was my cell phone, which um, sounds crazy. And I'll just be honest, this is not prescriptive. I'm not saying this is what you should do. This is what the Lord spoke to me. And so I felt like the Lord said, hey, you've got to get rid of your, your iPhone for a season. And get a flip phone. And I'm like, Lord, why me? Like, do you even love me? And you just I felt this burden. And honestly, for a season, I didn't walk in obedience. I thought, okay, maybe what the Lord means is delete some apps. <laughs> you know, use it less at night. Like, put it in a basket. Of, you know, and I just, I, I just did the stuff that we all do. We negotiate with the Lord. I'm trying to negotiate, but Eventually, I just one day caved in and got rid of the phone. And I don't know if it's gone forever, but it's certainly gone for a season. I switched to a flip phone. and Man, it was so hard. Like, you know, I'd see people at the grocery store and they'd see me on this like flip phone and they're like, oh, you're so brave. I'm like, I'm not brave, that's stupid. You know, like, they're like, I wanna do it. And then I'd pull this thing out and i just look like an idiot everywhere I go. You know, like it's just, it's just the reality. Everybody's like, what's wrong with you? Why do you, have? I'm like, the Lord told me. And here's what's interesting though is just walking in what felt like an area of non-spiritual obedience. God's given me so much life. He's given me so much life. He's freeing me up in ways that I didn't know I needed to be freed up. There's some of you, God's speaking to you about things that don't seem very spiritual. And you're going, surely that can't be the voice of God. Jesus came so that you could have life and have life to the fullest. And he is, he is so passionate about doing whatever it takes for you to get to the deeper life. And don't be interested or don't be shocked if he starts speaking to you about things that feel insignificant, the way you use your phone or the way you spend your weekends or the way you organize your calendar. Like, do you need the rhythms? Absolutely, but do you know what you need? You need a relationship with the one who knows you and loves you and has what's best in mind for you. I love Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened, come to me. He says, come to me, come to me. Come to me, Jesus doesn't say all who are weary and burdened, here's four things to start implementing. It wasn't an article on BuzzFeed. <laughs> Jesus says all who are weary and burdened, come to me, and he says, and let me give you input into your life. Let me show you what to do, and your soul will find rest. Weeks ago when Sydney and I were talking on this to a group of leaders, I told you this earlier, one of the leaders said, that's impossible. This high-powered leader, doing all this crazy, awesome stuff in the world, and I just asked a simple question. I said, do you think your job's more demanding than Jesus's job was? And this guy was a Christian, so I had him. I knew him. I like, gotcha. And I'm like, what was Jesus's job? He's like, Jesus's job was to save the planet. I'm like, I know, I didn't even have a phone or an airplane or a car, it's like, that's a big deal. Said so he had the most demanding job on planet Earth. I don't care if you're a CEO or a stay-at-home mom or in-between jobs, your job is not more demanding than Jesus's job. And yet Jesus never seemed to be in a hurry, did he? (laughs) The Gospels don't say, well, Jesus was there with the woman in Capernaum and then he ran as fast as he could to Samaria. And then he sprinted to Galilee and then he sprinted to Jerusalem. Jesus just, just so chill, so chill. Even in the middle of the storm, what's Jesus doing? Help me out if you went to vacation Bible school. What's he doing in the middle of the storm? He was Sleeping. sleeping, sleeping. The storm around him did not disrupt the peace within him. And that's what he wants to give you. That's what he wants to give you. And that's what he'll give you if you'll let him be your leader. <laughs> Can you imagine how much better your life would be? Doesn't matter what the circumstances are around you that are swirling. To recognize that rest in Christ does not demand that you be sitting on a beach with your feet kicked up drinking a Corona. like Because rest in Christ is not attached to the circumstances around you. Rest in Christ is found when you know the one who has saved you and he leads you through whatever you're facing. Can you imagine how different it would be for you? Imagine what it'd be like for the people around you, how much better your marriage would be, your friendships would be. How much better would it be for the people at your work, the people that work under you, that work with you, that work above you, if you weren't driven, if you weren't driven by this like, we've got to But if you're driven by the rest of Jesus, listen guys, in a culture that worships at the altar of hustle, I'm convinced one of our greatest witnesses to King Jesus is to live a life that's anchored in his rest. I just challenge you. I just challenge you to put your life before the Lord this week and say, hey, would you help me rest? If you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, here in a few minutes, I encourage you, there'll be some men and women that respond better. We'd love to pray over you. Here's the deal. Uh, Finding rest is not about you adopting some new principles. It's about you coming to the person of Jesus and letting him sort it out. And he he may lead you to some new rhythms and principles, but it starts with Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, we wanna help you take that step this morning. If you came in here tied up in knots and worn out, you don't have to leave that way. There's some of you here this morning that are followers of Jesus, and you're going, okay, what's what's next? How do do I walk in this? I'm just going to have three questions on the screen for you as you take communion. And you can process these on your own. You can process these in a group as you take communion. You can take these home, process them in your house, church. But uh, for some of you, maybe it's just asking Jesus, hey, is there any place where I'm at a crossroads in life, and I need to stop? For some of you, it's Okay, Jesus, I'm at a crossroads, but I need your input. Like, where do I need to seek your guidance in this place that I'm in? For some of you, there's an area of obedience that God's inviting you to take a step in. There's no such thing as a small act of obedience. It all matters in the kingdom of God. I wanna encourage you, as we break the bread, as we take the cup, as we confess our sins, as we reflect on Jesus, These questions will be on the screen. You can process personally or in in community and ask Jesus to lead you into the place of life. Let's stand up together. I'm gonna pray over you. There's gonna be some men and women at the respond banner. Here's what I wanna say is if this morning, if internally you are out of breath, if you're tied up in knots, if you are worn out, come up to the respond banner. Let us lay hands on you. Let us pray over you for the peace of Jesus. The rest of you go to the the communion. Let's get the bread and the wine together. Father, I love you. I thank you that you're a God of peace, the Prince of Peace, the King of Peace, the Giver of Peace. Lord, we thank you that your rest that was demonstrated in a boat in the middle of a hurricane can be imparted into our hearts in the middle of anything we face. God, whether we know our exhaustion or not, whether we're on a good trajectory or not, would you speak to us this morning as we break the bread, as we confess our sins, as we drink the cup, God, would you lead us in the way of life? We love you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus I pray, amen.